Hey guys, hope you guys are doing great. On this episode, I am joined by Abu Mbumere Okonofia. I know him as Abu. Abu is a husband, father, and even an assistant coach. And as you guys might have like heard from me saying all this, he's someone that wears many hats. Without further much to do, how are you doing today, Abu? I'm doing good, Shalomi. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for making time out to to come on this episode. I know you're a busy man. You have a lot of things that are going on for you. So I really appreciate you coming on to join me on this episode. Thanks for having me. I have like episodes like this. I always like to start off with like talking about people's childhood and how your childhood was. Because like I'm a very big believer in like your childhood in a way affects how you view life, how you grow. And it really have things play out for you. So could you touch upon your childhood and how that was for you? Well, I I grew up in, I was I was born in Lagos. I grew up in Lagos. With, but at that time, I had an older sister. I grew up in a single parent household with my mom. And yeah, so... I mean, my mom tried to provide everything for me. I mean, it was towards kind of towards my teenage years. Things weren't so great. I mean, when I think that was around the same time when the economy in Nigeria started dipping a little bit. Um, but you know, we all survived. I grew up in a really religious household, which is kind of like the basis. Well, it's not nothing new, new to a lot of Nigerians. Fits if you're a Christian or a Muslim, right? We all have a religious foundation. But I grew up Roman Catholic. Yeah, that's a uh, faith of on to like you touched upon you being raised by a single mother could you like explain how that experience was because like things like that can be very hard for like a young man not having okay a father figure could you touch upon more of that experience on how it affected you and made you who you are today well there's there's nothing to compare it to right from from my point of view however i mean like i said my mom tried to provide for me i know i was i was in touch with some parts of my um, biological father's side of the family so not entirely close from that side of the family i had some role models around male role models around me so i can't really say kind of speak to in terms of how it affected me or whether it, it didn't um, but i mean we all know that it's always great to be brought up in a two-parent household whenever possible because i know for some people it's not always possible for various reasons uh, that's fair i'm glad you're able to about that in a very positive light because most people are like very not open to talk up talking about things like that because it can really have a big effect on your psyche and, and things like that yeah i mean yeah and like i said I, I don't know i don't know if i'm missing anything or what i'm missing it's been so far so good so what were your what were your fondest memories growing up like what did you enjoy most about growing up what do you look back at and say oh this was very very interesting like i would like to go back to this time in my life for some reason because i found it very interesting i would say probably the time around primary school because there's a there's an age gap of 11 years between me and my immediate older sister Wow. So I was pretty much raised as an only child for a, a long time because she was in boarding school. Um, and those were the times when, you know, just being only child at home, wanting to always, you know, go hang out. So school was, I loved going to school, you know, loved hanging out with my friends, um, loved hanging out with my cousins, especially, you know, Sunday was kind of the time when everyone meets at church. After church, I go to my, my godmother's place, it was my, my aunt, my mom's older sister. So yeah, the lots of fun times. And, you know, as a child, no, uh, <laughs> no responsibilities you wake up and think everything's easy you're just waking up to eat and play <laughs> and yeah 
do house chores. But also on the flip side, like growing up in Lagos, I grew up in Lagos too. Yeah. And yeah. you grew up as the only guy in your house, like the only child in your house. That can be very tough because like Lagos is a tough place. Like oh yeah, yeah. What were the hard lessons you learned in like being on the streets, like being playing soccer on the streets, being with your friends, going to school? Like you learned some good things and you pick up some not so good things. How were you able to drop the things that you knew were not going to save you and also pick up things like oh having a tough skin being able to hustle like how do you find that balance that's that's actually that's actually interesting my my time was always filled up with activities mm. and i think that was also a way for my mom to protect me from from some dangers but obviously as kids you always you always find ways to to do things that are outside of the scheduled activities right Be yep. like you said playing playing football on the streets and it's, it's one of those i mean when you talk talk about fun times as a childhood is one of those times where you know your my mom is not home and i go play you know someone next door <laughs> and all of a sudden you can hear the distinct sound of your parents car and then that's the time that's the time to go home so um as far as lessons learned i mean it's just when you know when you're the only one without siblings backing you up you just learn to you know protect yourself um you learn very early okay when there's uh when there's danger, maybe you stay clear of danger and uh, um, find ways to interact with people. Like I said, just being or not an only child, but being raised as the only one at that time. My sister being away um, at times where in uh, kind of at those times when I was kind of in, in primary school, learning how to interact with people, um, finding ways to you know you know just make make friends. So you know, I'm I'm not lonely. And uh, whenever, whenever I was at home on my own, you know, just finding ways to entertain, entertain myself. So I, I could see you were able to like find the balance of like having fun and also being able to like have time for yourself and also putting your energy to the right things. And that's definitely helped you, helped you to today. I would like to move on to something else now. Like I moved here in 2016. That's when I met okay. you, actually. I, I met you playing soccer. You've been one of the OGs that have always been like... <laughs> available to us like being able to talk to us advise us and just help us out and like be there to support us and like i've never asked you about your own experience moving from nigeria to canada because you yeah. experienced that before me so how was that like for you yeah China, thank, thanks for that um i actually moved to the uk first oh i didn't i never yeah. exactly I from, yeah yeah <laughs> actually moved from nigeria to the uk and then from the uk i moved to to Saskatoon for university. Um, I know I know I've been asked this question um, by a few people, and I guess when I compare it to stories I've heard from people moving straight from Nigeria, because I had that transition of moving to a foreign country, it wasn't a it wasn't as much of a big transition for me as I've heard for other people. However, the biggest transition was actually now being on my own because when I moved to England, I was with my sister, oh, right? Was that for school also? Yeah, yeah, for school, for, yeah, for, for college. And then I moved to Saskatoon for uh, university, right? And and it's just, it was, it's more affordable here than it is in, 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 in the UK. So um, it was one of the biggest decisions that uh, one of the main decisions of moving to Canada and and then I believe also it was just time to um kind of be a man right mm. so that kind of that was the, that was the biggest transition you know just learn how to like in terms of like cooking taking care of the home my dad that was in a, a struggle for me but it's just not adapting where okay there's no one to go back to and uh and you know 
who's there for immediate um, assistance or a lending ear, right? Because now we're taking on thinking of the time difference uh in the evening after i'm done school my sister is probably in bed right and my mom back home in nigeria so it's like okay navigating um those those things so um and then the winter the winter was still i got i remember i i, I got into saskatoon late august what year so uh, sorry what year 2004 whoa yeah, 2004. Um, and it was, yeah, the weather was pretty, it was actually very beautiful. I was like, oh yeah, what's this, you know, what's, they, they said it was very, it's going to be cold. I, like, what's this cold they're talking about? Because, you know, you know how summers are in, in Saskatchewan in general, you know, very green and just very sunny, very beautiful. I mean, even the winters are, are sunny too. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was uh, just the biggest adjustments, just being on my own. No, that's, yes. I, think that's, I think that's very interesting because like, I think as men, you just have to take that step. Yeah. Not even as men, as, hu- as a human being, really. Mm-hmm. You just have to take that step to say, okay, this is my own life now. The, and that's, that has nothing to do with the other people that has left you. You just have to build mm-hmm. that confidence and exactly. that grit. Yes. And I think you coming to Saskatoon kind of, did that for you come here 2004 i don't think there were a lot of nigerians back then i don't know how the place was back then i I can never tell but like you coming here back then really i could say helped with your development to who you are right now and you came here for school university you studied chemical engineering i believe yeah, correct correct yes and you you were also a student athlete so like i did engineering as well i know it's hard as hell to just be a student mm-hmm. as an engineer so how yes. were you able to balance being a student athlete and being being able to play sports and also focus on your studies because like you're coming here as a man for yourself you don't have anybody to lean on that could be very hard how did that work yes. out actually i think for me actually i th- look in, in hindsight i think they actually worked out right because for when i when i when i came to campus mm-hmm. i actually met like a group of guys right off the bat like nigerians who had been here for maybe within a few months to a year right though those, those became my you know closest friends right similar to you and your boys right so that that helped then there was the soccer there was a soccer environment and i remember there was i had uh, a bunch of teammates i'm not going to name any names because you know i don't know who who would uh, appreciate that or nonsense the public podcast but i'll just say there was a group of athletes student athletes as well from saskatoon and there was some there were a couple guys from regina who you know they were great they welcomed me um, so I always had that in terms of, you know, friends to, to fall back on, ask questions. Although, although I was shy, I would say on the soccer side, <laughs> I didn't really ask too many questions. Right. And it's just coming from our background. Right. So it's just, you know, you, you're kind of cautious and just won't, won't want to, you know, when you see Nigerians who you're used to, you know, speaking pidgin English, you, you know, you're more open to ask them things and how to navigate certain things yeah. as opposed to, you know, um, those who are, who, are, who are not Nigerian. But yeah, no, from a soccer background, you know, the coaches, my teammates, um, you know, helped me with, with that transition as well. So yeah, I think I was, I was actually blessed, right, Come, coming into and, and there were actually all the Nigerians as well. At that point, there was actually a Nigerian um, association. Actually, I, I don't know, I, I don't remember if it was a Nigerian Students Association or a Nigerian Association at that time. But there, there was both, right? Um, but yeah, the Nigerian Association at that point was actually pretty strong. I had a roommate who actually 
he was studying his masters. Mm-hmm. He actually helped me out um, as well with with some things when I was when I was willing to you know go out, you know get out of my comfort zone and ask for ask questions. Yeah. That's that's very good. But at what point did you feel very comfortable being in a new place? Because like some people they might you, you the comf- like being comfortable in a new place might not come like as fast as it is. Some people might take a year. Some people might take two years. At what point did you say, okay, I'm very confident in my own skin here. I'm comfortable. I believe in myself and I can go out and flourish. How long did that take for you? And what did that feel like going through that self-doubt or like just thinking thinking about things twice, things like that? That's actually that's actually a very good question. I've never actually been asked that question. But to be honest, I would say probably after, after my third year of university. Hmm. Yes. I say after my third year of university because... In my second year, I had a big, a huge setback with school, right? And that is kind of my, I'd say that was sort of like a self-initiation, you know, <laughs> a passage into being a man, right? Because I had a setback and then I had to sit down and think about, okay, what were my priorities, right? Why am I here? You know, what's my, what's my purpose in life? And, you know, where do I want to go? So from then it was, you know, now you know how to say, you know, Choose your friends, yep. right? Choose what you do, right? And, you know, the, the habits, right? The habits make a person. So then I had to change lots, lots of my habits, right? Study habits, um, you know, workout habits, you know, daily habits. A, a lot of things change, right? Because I, I think one of the, one of the big things about, about uh, from the academic point of view was really not taking my classes seriously. And from a time management point of view, right? Because I had soccer, I had to work. Like I worked all through university, right? Um, yeah, like you see, like engineering is not easy, right? Um, you know, I had to do that as well. But I was, I wasn't given, I wasn't, I was treating everything like there were separate parts of my life, right? So it's like, okay, I have soccer, so um, maybe I would not study today and try and catch up tomorrow. But it's like, no, you have to. You have to time magnets in a game. You know, I have soccer from five to seven tonight, right? And I have a class, I have an assignment due at 7.30. I'm not going to wait last minute to finish a study assignment after soccer because I'm putting myself in the time crunch for 7.30. Mm-hmm. And now I had to allocate certain times of my day, okay, to school, right? Now, work was non-negotiable because I had to show up or, you know... <laughs> I'll lose my job, right? Exactly, right? But this is now between school, school, um, and and soccer. So, and also, as as young men, we love the party life, the nightlife. So, I had to cut some of those things, some of those times, times away, so so that I could. Uh, be an effective student athlete and an effective effective person that's good so i really after my third year yeah. i really really liked your answer about what do i want because i feel like everyone always has to ask themselves that question like what's the main thing like why are you really here like there are things that are like are secondary to the main reason why you're here and i believe once people can figure out what the main thing is in their life everything else will flow like you came here for school you yes. found yourself playing soccer you found you made friends you knew people but the main reason why you came here you were falling short in that aspect and you realize that if i can't accomplish the main thing i'm here like everything else is it's not going to feel as fulfilling because like the main reason i'm here is to get a degree and make a life out of, of what they make an opportunity make a good use of the opportunity of what people have given me so i feel like you thinking about that and realizing that what oh, the main thing is school really helped you 
develop a kind of routine to figure out, okay, I have soccer, I'm still going to show up for soccer, I have work, I'm still going to show up for work, but like the main thing will always be the main thing. And like, that's one thing that has helped me also with like me finishing school and having other aspects of life that I still need to attend to. And also another yes. thing was, yeah, you could say something, say something. No, I said correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. Another thing was you mentioned was time management. Like people say time, time and money, but like you can always get money back, but like time, Ideally, you can't get you can't really oh. get that time back. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> you can't yes. you can't really get that time back. And for me, answer, I was able to draw a conclusion that like time is really very important because like going to school at twenty two is different from like having that young, that zealous, um, that zealous mind, and coming back to do the same thing you could have done at twenty two at thirty two. Like you yes. might have the money for it, but like it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel the same to me. And like I'm glad you were able to realize that, like time management and like keeping the main thing, the main thing. Look at likes of LeBron. Like LeBron kept basketball. Basketball was the main reason he was where he was. He took yeah. that into a different thing, built different empires, went to Hollywood, and like helped his friends. But like he never removed his eyes from basketball. But like, but like what people do these days is that oh i get here and like oh i start seeing other things and like i'm not keeping the main thing the main thing the main reason why i'm here is because of this and like if I, i'm able to succeed at that everything else will fall into place like i really really like your answer there yeah no that's that, no that's key or you know i just or sometimes people think that oh i only have to do one thing right so that i can be effective but you know you can do you can do multiple things and be diverse and adaptable but again you have to plan planning is key and so 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 just to go back uh, just to because i don't think i really answered your question the reason why i said after my third year because again i said after my second year i struggled yeah so my third year when i overcame adversity both with soccer with you know academics and personal life and when i got through that hump and i got lots of support right mm -hmm. and I, I knew that was a learning opportunity for me to, to learn about myself that yes i can fail and i can overcome it yeah but in order to overcome adversity you also need to seek support from people mm -hmm. right you know earlier in our conversation i mentioned you know sometimes we keep things to our chest yeah. It's just it's 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 in a it's kind of a, a background. We're grown up with, with with that, right? But you know, you have to get out of your comfort zone, especially when you're in a new place. You're trying to learn new things. You have to go out of your comfort zone and seek support. Yeah, that's that's very interesting because like with me too, I kind of faced that struggle of just keeping things to my chest because like it's never been ingrained in us for to us yes. to speak up. Like you just exactly. have to figure it out. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think? Where do you think that comes from, though? Like. Why are we so keeping things to our chest? Do you think it's an ego thing or it's just it's just the way we were raised? Like, because I believe like you can look at it in terms of like ego. I don't want to seem weak. I don't want to seem vulnerable and stuff like that. What do you think it is really? Like, what's the main, main reason? I think, I think, yes, ego is a big part of it. However, where does the ego come from as a, as a culture? Mm. I think our ego is our strength and our weaknesses yeah. as uh nigerians right hmm. because nigerians do achieve a lot and you know i mean you, you you reference lebron there every great person or athlete has a huge ego yep. right but now it's how can you manage your ego to hmm. use it to use it effectively so i think yeah so the ego definitely as nigerians is a big part um you know of you know of our of our dna um where, the, where does it come from? That's 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 a long list. I think having <laughs> having the different cultural groups in yep. the country kind of brings out uh, sometimes healthy and unhealthy competition. 
Mm. Right? Because think about different cultural groups now. It's like, okay, when different, let's just, let's bring it back to sports. When you have different communities going for a competition, now you're like, no, I want to make sure I'm the best. Right? And you don't want to reveal your secrets to the other communities so that they don't use it and come out on top. Right? So... That's also I can relate it back to that, but uh, yeah, that's just just my opinion. That's that's I totally agree with that because I was just listening to a podcast the other day with Raymond Green and Charles Barkley. You probably know Charles Barkley he played basketball, yes. yeah. and he was like every every athlete, every good athlete or successful person has an ego. Like the main thing is how you balance it. Like he referenced his beef with MJ, Draymond referenced his beef with Kevin Durant, and how black. Men, even in America, even though we're, we're still black, but like you spoke about the Nigerian side of it, how black men always want to be doing their own thing on one side, mm-hmm. on this side, on this side, and no one really comes together to put in their resources to like help help each other grow and like help facilitate that growth. So like I think it's very interesting that you touched upon it on the Nigerian side. And the podcast I was listening to with Draymond Green and Charles Barkley also touched upon it on that side. But like I just feel finding the balance is the most That's important right. thing. Because, like, yeah. there's no successful person without an ego. It's like, your, it's your ego that's driving you to say, okay, I'll wake up this morning, I want to be the best, and I'll show you why I'm the best. But it's also yes. your ego that will say, oh, <laughs> I'm not the best today, I'm not, and I'm not willing to ask you for help because I think I can mm-hmm. figure it out by myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have to really find that balance. Yes. Okay, that's, that was very interesting. Now I'll move into a different, a different side of Abu. Abu started coaching in 2014 on the men's soccer team? How do you get into coaching, first of all? Good, good question. I think, uh, so, I've always been, like, soccer is in my blood. Mm. <laughs> I know some, uh, I, if you know that, pe- people who, who speak Pidgey would know the same. A lot of people have told me that soccer will kill you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you probably understand that. So, I mean, I think it was like, I, I'll, I'll give credit to Bryce Chapman, the, University of Saskatchewan men's soccer coach. I think he just, he asked me to, he saw, you know, the love for the game I had and he asked me to be part of, uh, at that time was uh, the Husa Academy. Mm. And he was a TD for Aurora Soccer Club. So it was kind of around that time when I started getting the coaches like, you know what, you know, come out, help this age group um and help out for summer camp so yeah and summer camp is where we really started out and it was just like i just love being out there a lot interacting with kids um especially teaching them about the game and then so yeah it it, it took us took took off from there so that's that's how i that that's how i got involved you know just dipping my toe you know in the pond and yeah liking the feel of it then i guess you move to the women's side of of things and that really like kicked off how long have you been coaching on university of saskatchewan women's team since 2015 wow so yeah so yeah so there's i've been coaching prior to so i was coaching in you know the youth setup in saskatoon Mm. academy and then in 2014 there was an opportunity um to coach with with the men's that's uh and then in 2000 after 2014 i think Bryce was leading both programs at that time mm. right so then it was kind of like okay um he had he had uh, a few assistants so it was just a way for me to it was an opportunity for me to be more involved or have more of a, of a leadership uh role 
within as an assistant coach, right? So the next year after that, yeah, moved to the women's team. And I really, I really find it interesting that you doubled into coaching because I believe like being a coach is one of the hardest things to do because one, you have to get people to buy into whatever you are giving them or the information you are doing and two you have to be an excellent communicator like communicator in the sense that what might work for player a might not work for player b so like you have to be able to read different people and get them to buy in and also get the best out of them like you might shout at player a and it's like oh i'm going to show coaches why i'm the best player on this team and you might shout at player b and it it's going to shut player B down. It's like you're not getting anything <laughs> from player B. So how do you find that balance to say, okay? Because it's like, to me, it's like a mental chess match. And I was listening Correct. to a podcast the other day of Rio Ferdinand on how Fergie was in the locker room in terms of like, it's going to shout at everybody, but some players are going to get yes. the worst treatment than other players because he knows they can take it. And if, they, if younger players see that player taking it, they'll fall in line. So like, how, how have you been able to find that balance to being a coach? Because that's very hard. Like, there are 22 players on a team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm naturally a very patient individual. But finding the balance is about being more patient. Okay. And that's just, that's, that's, that's what I believe. Because, you know, like you said, you're, you're trying to interact with 22 players. Or it could be 11. It could be as little as five. You know, but there's some that are, you know, you don't even need to tell them. <laughs> twice it's probably just a look and they get old this is what you want but some you need to explain over weeks over months you know hours and it's just you know just finding that patient putting yourself in the player's shoes hmm. um and for me it's still it's still it's still a big learning curve right because from year to year the athletes change um you learn more by yourself you adapt your methods uh your ways of communication Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but I think a big growth for me is knowing that whatever you do, as long as you're doing it with good intentions, then things will be okay. I think, I think the whatever you do with good intentions really go to me because like if whatever you are giving out is coming from a good place, like you are able to sleep at night because, okay, if, it, if someone doesn't take it well, you're able to sleep at night and, okay, we live and learn. And tomorrow is going to be a better day. So I think yes. that coming from a good place is very, very important. And that was the same thing Rio actually said. It's like, Fergie will shout on him or like Fergie will tell him, oh, get out of the locker and get out of quarantine. And it's like, although I'm mad, like I know you're mm -hmm. not, you're not coming for my character. At the end of the day, you want to see me do well. You want to see us succeed. And it's like, Fergie was always fond of like, okay, even though we played bad, I won't put the blame on you guys. I'll put the blame on the refs. So, like, the whole media and tabloids is going to be on the refs' head and you guys can, like, be protected from how British media come on their players. And, like, that was very interesting because, like, it's doing the best for them in terms of, like, I want you guys to perform this next match day. I know you guys didn't play well, but, like, I'm not going to call out and say, okay, you guys played like shit, obviously. And that's yeah. very, that's very, very important. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely. And, and although that level, the, the professional level is a different level. Yeah. But the one big, the, the one takeaway from that is, is the timing and your delivery, right? Because you might have the same delivery, but the timing might not be right for a particular player, right? So um, as, as a coach, I also have to read those cues. I have to read the body languages, but we also have to recognize as a coach, you have to hold a standard, yeah. right? Because it's not, you, you don't, 
right? We we don't want to let uh, we we don't want to encourage bad habits, right? Um, so if someone is being disrespectful, the delivery and timing of your message, maybe it could be a time where it's like, okay, you call the player, you know, give them uh, individual pep talk, mm-hmm. um, or just an individual talk, you know, and and speaking about okay, what you notice, why it's disrespectful. So I was saying when, when if there's any, oh, I shouldn't say disrespectful, but I would say if there are any habits or behaviors that are below the line from athletes, yeah. the timing and the delivery of the messages could improve um, or, you know, further deteriorate the situation. Mm-hmm. So it could be that the delivery needs to be soft and needs to be in, in, the, in person, right? But in other instances, if the habits are below, you know, the line, then it might just need and, and below the line for the for the group then it might just be something that needs to be addressed then and there but again reading the individual is it someone that would take likely to being called out in public yeah. um or if it's something that needs to be called out in public maybe have a soft, softer tone and then follow up later with um real um direct and stern feedback that's that's a very good answer because you alluded to team culture and like i feel team culture is like one of the most important things because that sets the tone for for everybody but like i've always wondered how the coaches put in a, a firm and strong team culture like where does that start from does it just start from the coaches or does it start from the vets in the locker room does it start does it just start from the training ground like how does that come into play yeah every, everyone has a role to play uh but it definitely has to start from the coach with a vision right uh, and let's even take it one step higher the organization has to have a a vision, right? Then the coach a representation of the organization, right? And then you pass on that to the leadership group and then leadership group, you know, passes that on to the rest of the team. Um, but again, building a culture doesn't take, it doesn't take days, it doesn't take, you know, months. It could take years. Um, but the successful coaches are the ones that can establish uh, a good culture in as short time as possible but for it to be but for it for in my point of view for it to be a real culture it needs to be something that is established over years like mm-hmm. when you so you've mentioned you know Sir alex you know Rio ferdinand a lot of a lot of my new fans are like oh this is not the manual way <laughs> right that's because of what Sir alex ferguson his group did did in the 90s so they're still looking for that they're still looking for somebody to to make you know man united the powerhouse right so you know when we look at man city now they have a clear identity you can tell what their culture is you know on the field right you can tell who they are how pep wants them to play you know so that's a that's a good example because it changes from coach to coach um but that's why i for this team purpose it has to start with the organization you know bad recruitment could destroy your um the culture Right. Um, yeah. And also, also, not. I want to ask you. Like, I see you. You coach like young, uh, young kids in the morning. At that, like, at that point when you are coaching them or like teaching them basics, are you looking at pointers for okay? I can instill a certain level of standard here that will help them when they transition into the university. Or you think it's too early for them to be thinking or like trying to establish that culture? You think it's too early at that point in time? No, it's 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 never too early. I know there is. There is, um, I think Jordan Peterson is, is big on this where he says that 
from the ages of zero to, I think it's five, that's the time to really install good habits in, in that, right? In terms of, you know, social, uh, social etiquette. Um, and then once it goes past, once it's past five, then it's, it's harder. So that's why I think it's, it's never too, it's never too early, right? Uh, and, and for when I'm coaching, I don't coach just for university. We're coaching to make athletes better people, you know, to achieve whatever they want to achieve. They might want to go play college. They might want to go play university, you know, after, after youth soccer, they might just want to play for fun, you know, take the academics and their professional career um, seriously after that. But there's some things that across different disciplines, there's some things that I believe are non-negotiable, right? Being accountable, you know, showing up when you're, when you're, um, when you're asked to, yeah, when you're expected to show up, right? (laughs) Being on time, being respectful, right? Being disciplined, those things across all disciplines, those are always things that are respected and and above all working hard and going above and beyond Mm -hmm. right and most of the so um are on the 19 age group that i coach with the junior huskies we train three times a week however that's not enough for training three times three times a week is not for it's not enough for athletes who want to go on to a higher level right they need to be doing things on their own outside be it studying film um working out in the gym doing extra soccer activities on their own seeking out resources um asking questions to coaches outside of training right that's what you need and also with the time management piece of it too same way i i struggled in school for not properly time managing that's what i want to things like that is what i want to pass on to athletes so that when they pass on go into the next level whatever the next level might be for them they're prepared to, to handle adversity well, that's a very very interesting interesting and wonderful way to look at it and like with all this said like I kind of sense that coaching might be more fulfilling than actually than actually playing. Do you think that is true? Fulfilling. I think for for in terms of the level I played up to, I'll say mm-hmm. yes, yes, because I'm able to touch so many people. Hmm. I'm able to impact so many people. So with 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 coaching, um, and every time. I step on the field to coach. I'm also stepping out of my comfort zone, right? Because the athletes and their parents are putting their trust in me, you know, to guide their kids um, towards their goals. So I'll say that for me is is more fulfilling because I'm, I'm giving back. And that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to go, why I wanted to be a coach, you know, give back, um, be able to pass on tips on things that i missed growing up as an athlete i think i think coaching is very very interesting and it's like i don't think everyone has the patience to be a coach but i'm glad like you've taken that responsibility you enjoy being a sponge like like i said earlier like you've always been that person that said oh you can lean on me you can ask me questions and that shows or comes into play with coaching so like i'm very happy that you really enjoy enjoy this coaching thing you do let's move on to something else like you're a father now like you're married you're a father and i ask a lot of men i ask a lot of my uncles i ask a lot of people and they say like nothing nothing beats being a father or like that sense of joy that sense of fulfillment of seeing someone from you or raising someone from your blood or like not even your blood but just raising someone nothing really beats that feeling could you talk about how being a father is and again being a girl that could you (laughs) talk about how that was or how that is for you or how that experience might have changed who you are or like have made you have a certain like view of life it's 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 a it's a special it's a special feeling no doubt it's also (laughs) it's also uh 
<laughs> it's also, you know, very, it's, it's not always smooth sailing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, especially being, because I have a, I have a daughter who's my only child. Right. So I'm learning things and you're just hoping that you're passing on good habits to your kids. I'm hoping that I'm passing on good habits to my daughter. One of the biggest things being a father taught me is, you know, now you have to really think about what you're going to say <laughs> and how you're going to say it. Right. Um, you know, because that determines if, you know, they, they have the right message or have the wrong message. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. Um, it's one of those where it's like, that's when you actually understand what love at first sight means. (laughs) <laughs> because it's like once the baby is handed to you it's just like wow this is this is this is mine right and mm-hmm. i'm sure at, and and i hope even those who are unable to have kids of their their own and you know there are other ways that you can have kids mm-hmm. you know i hope it's the same feeling but yeah you know, it's it's and it's exciting watching with watching her grow you know acquiring different uh you know skills um developing a personality yeah it's amazing and and I, people say this for girls i don't know there's again i don't know anything to compare it to but like <laughs> girl, girls uh dads are wrapped around their their, do- their daughter's fingers um is that true yeah. my wife says it is but i, I say i said no <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you yeah. say no well, because sometimes I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I don't think I, I give into everything. Uh. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sometimes I, I try to, you know, I try to be, I try to be a dad. I'm not just everything she wants. It's not like, yes, yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I say no, but maybe I'm not saying, maybe my wife thinks I'm not saying no as much as I should. And, and that's very, very interesting because Charles Barkley, the same podcast I was listening to, and it's like, oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of basketball players have boys and they have girls, but like, they never say no to their girls. <laughs> like, he says like, they never, ever say no to, to their girls. Draymond Green, same thing, never say no to their girls. <laughs> Kobe, Kobe had four girls before he passed away, and he's like, that like Kobe play basketball and like his girls are like more the most important thing to him before he passed away. So like I just think like girls have this strong bond with their dads, especially with dads that have this strong personality, which I have. Especially especially with dads that have a strong personality, like having a girl kind kind of puts you in a place where you have to be soft and it's like it's very interesting because like you are very hard you are very hard nosed and like just having a girl just brings a different side of you do you think that's true for you yeah yes yeah i'll I'll, I'll say so yes i'm not i'm not a big uh i'm not a big hugger or you know uh i love you every, every minute type of person but that's something definitely since she was born that you know I, I i do a lot more like so yeah yes they were actually watching because I'm, I'm trying to get her to watch you know shows about you know technology mm-hmm. you know about life you know so we're watching something about white wildlife about che- cheetahs <laughs> and she doesn't like it when the cheetah is going for you know for a kill <laughs> right so then she kind of like turns her body and then comes towards me and i'm like oh what's happening she's like just I would just want you to hug me. So I like just hug there and, you know, pretty much just cuddle there. And it's like, yeah, I can't, I, it's not something that I've done, but uh, yeah. So I'll say yes. I think, I think that's very, very cute. Cause like all, all men feel that 
like they have that feeling with their girls i don't know why but yeah i think it's very it's something that's very interesting and very humbling like it just changes who you are like you're a different kind of person to want just to just one particular person i think that's very 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 interesting and one thing i'd like to touch upon is i looked at your i did some, a bit of research you're a big kobe fan i think you're a big kobe. <laughs> oh yeah how did you how did you find that out <laughs> i just don't worry i just did my research. i just yes, i yes. just i just did my research and it's like okay. kobe okay. Pa- kobe passed away i think two years two years ago now three years ago like how how did you feel at that moment in time where kobe passed away because with me i could remember every single emotion i felt like where i was what i was doing like how yes. did that feel to you and i'm a very young person so like i feel like they even experienced kobe at his peak like oh it's kobe kobe power oh, yeah. or kobe with or like with with andrew bynum all these guys i didn't really experience kobe that much but i knew about him but like i'm sure you were there at his peak so like it definitely felt very different for you like losing kobe like how did that feel yeah i remember i was on the way to a to a hotel meet, meeting and all of a sudden uh, a breaking news flashed flashed on my on my phone i don't know it wasn't it wasn't breaking news i think i was like in the parking lot looking for just looking for some information on my phone and it's like uh something about tmz Mm. you know and i'm like like literally i'm just like oh no it's yeah april fools but i'm like uh no it's not april (laughs) (laughs) so i search you know like for me the first thing is just search kobe bryant and it's like oh yeah reports are like kobe died in a helicopter crash and like yeah whatever and then all of a sudden it's like you know some people are like yeah no that's not that's not true um somebody just spoke to him and then the news starts you know spreading and i think it took for me it was really it was there was a moment of pause because like espn i don't think they announced it immediately no they didn't so it was like one of those things was like they didn't even address that okay it was uh you know it was false or maybe there was just an accident right but it was like a lot of people were getting from tmz and so that was when i was like wow they're not even saying anything about it because this is something that you know you would really want to you know squash but then when you just see okay it's now becoming it's now becoming um it's it's spreading like wildfires more places more i wouldn't say credible but it's just pretty much a lot of places be it like you know google has it you know first you know like uh like top trending news and then i'm just like in shock and then i'm going to my mean i'm like did you hear what happened and it's like yeah yeah right and then that's how we were so i i went on my meeting like yeah um whatever you know it's it's nothing and then one of my you know one of my buddies who's like you know a big laker guy too big kobe fan that was when you know both of us like kind of realized that yeah this was this was true then at that point just naturally it's just wanted to find out okay what happened is it actually true and yeah so for yeah it was it was kind of uh yeah it's like it's someone that you looked at as just a special person yeah, yeah. right because this was after basketball yeah he had already achieved like the Os- oscar you know win you know he had uh detail that he was doing on uh, oh. espn do you remember the detail yeah yeah, detail. yeah so yeah it was like you know just it was just pouring into giving back into the game, right? Um, so yeah, and and for 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 it to be that for it to to be that way, you know, respects to his his family. It's yeah, it's it's painful. Yeah, it was it was, and like it really sucked because like I mean I mean I, I don't think I watched Kobe at his peak. Like Kobe Kobe retired twenty sixteen. That was when I really started university. So like I don't think I watched him at his peak. But like just mm. looking. 
at how people spoke about Kobe. Kobe was like it was bigger. It was like a bigger than life personality in a way. Like mm-hmm. I don't like putting people and say you're bigger than life. Kobe was like immortal. Like he was just one of those guys that nah man, not Kobe. Like just everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Just, just yeah. everything about him, like the way he carried himself, the way he was well spoken, the way he believed in himself, the way he overcame different adversity. Like it just didn't make sense. Like exactly. Yeah. Till today, I don't think it will make sense. Like, I just go about my day sometimes. Like, yo, Kobe's religion. <laughs> how, how does that make Like, Kobe's religion. January 26th on a Sunday, I can never forget. Because, like, it's things till today. And I wasn't even that much of a big Kobe guy. Like, I'm a LeBron guy. But, like, watching Kobe, things he came, overcame. Shaq leaving him. Like, different things. Just, it's very sad. Like, it's very, very sad. Not that yeah. way. Not that way. Exactly. I, you know, it's, it's when somebody, when someone is your favorite person's favorite person's inspiration, they just take on like a, a mythological stature, right? So even one, one of the things I was even thinking about and just question about the whole situation, like from the stories I hear about, about Kobe is on top of everything. Yeah. So what I was thinking, how would he go into like a faulty helicopter, hmm. right? And that was one of the things I was thinking of. He's on top of every single thing. I'm sure he won't have, you know, you know, gone into a full scale helicopter. But now when you hear, like, I mean, when you hear what's been published and, you know, it was the pilot's decision or the company and there was some disorientation, then yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's beyond anyone's, anyone's control. But yeah, like you said, it's just, it's just, again, it's just so sudden as a young guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, kids are involved in, in that. I mean, it's, it's regardless, it's, um, it's, it's uh, sad when anyone passes away young, yeah. adults or kids or anyone passes away tragically. You know, from where we're from, it's like everyone prays to, to, to die old and in their sleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so on the more lighter note now, what's your favorite Kobe Bryant memory? What do you think about like, yeah, Kobe did that, I'll never forget. Uh, that's, that's a good question. I don't have, I don't have one. <laughs> Um, however, there was a, there was actually a quote that I came, that I came across and it was something that I saved on my phone as a reminder from, from Kobe. And it's, it's, it says I was probably born a scorer, but I was made a winner. Whatever works, whatever wins championships, wins games. That's what I do. (laughs) So it's like, you know, when, when you hear of the, that just put put his mentality into a different um, into a different class because for me it was like you know you hear stories about okay you know Kobe just wants to he just wants to score every time right he's selfish is this is that um, but it was like you know one of those things it's to me as an athlete back then it just says you just have to do whatever it takes to win mm. right you have to do whatever it takes to come out on top so be it you could be you could be the last player on the bench maybe your role that day for your team to win is more support for your team right you could be the starting player the best player on the on on uh, on the field that day for your team you know act like you're the best player take your team to the championship i think you had you kind of had, uh, I listened to one of your uh, podcasts, which you've been doing a great job at. So, you know, good job with, with Nikki, right? Where he, I think he mentioned that he knew that he was, he needed to be the guy for the team. So he was going to do whatever it took. So it's like, if that's your role to make sure your team wins, don't shy from it. Don't come in and, you know, um, just... I'm new to the team, so I don't want to show up everyone. No, find a way to, you know, take a team to, to the championship, right? Or maybe you're not so good at something on the team. I mean, okay, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to, 
let the person who can do it, you know, put your ego to one side, let the people who can do it, do it. And I'm going to do my job. Maybe you're the defender. You can't shoot, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm going to lock down this player, the best player on the team. Or try to, anyways, so that my team is more successful. So yeah, so that's what I, that's what I took took out of it, I, and I think it it also applies to life too. It's like do whatever you can to be successful. Be it sleeping less, you know, be it sacrificing social media, sacrificing TV time, um, building relationships with people, um, but in others as priority first. If that's what allows you to be successful, then then do it. So. I'm I'm very glad you gave that answer because people think Kobe is just basketball, but like his whole mentality translates into different like facets of life you can apply it to anything and that's what really makes him very very unique and more more like encompassing like people can easily gravitate towards him like the whole mamba mentality go as hard as you can if, if it's basketball if it's your schoolwork, if it's your mm-hmm. training like things like that is really something you can pick up and i'm very glad you gave that answer well, we've almost come to the end of like this episode but like before i end i like asking a few just questions like just few quick hitter questions so like quick hitter, okay yes the first one i'll ask you like five celebrities dead or alive who would you like to have dinner with like five celebrities dead or alive five celebrities dead uh, or alive yeah well i wouldn't want to have i want to have dinner with a dead person so no like if they were, <laughs> if they were, if they were alive like <laughs> if, you know go, go, growing up um one of my and one of my favorite soccer players was Alessandro Del Piero. Ooh. I don't know why I just connected with him. Um, that'll be one. Um, Ian Wright. Yeah, right. Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can't leave off Kobe. Yeah. Uh, I think Shaq is always fun. <laughs> Shaq is a clown, man. <laughs> yeah, he's always fun, and hmm, that's a that's a. There, there, there's so many. <laughs> one more. There's so many. Sorry. We need one more. <laughs> yeah, one more fifth one. Um, yeah, now I'll leave that one open. I'll leave the fifth one open, open invitation. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, the second one is like, what are the things that matter to you now that didn't matter back then, and what are the things that matter to you back then that didn't matter to you now? What are the things that matter to me now? Yes, that, that didn't matter, matter to you back then, like back when we were young, back when we were probably before marriage but things that matter to you now that don't matter to you again hmm. <laughs> i'll say I, I think something that that really matters now i mean it's it's sort of in between because there are t- thing there are times where I've, I've you know swayed of course but it's stability and stability comes from a foundation um and my foundation and what i always refer to is you know religion because i think there are lots of good things that um i know there's there there's some people that have you know their things against religion but for me it's just being um religious has brought me more from a personal point of view it's been brought more positives than negatives to my life Mm. yeah Okay. And things that I know now that I didn't back then, I think it's just being more open. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So even I mean a few a few years ago, if you've asked me to to do this podcast, I would have probably said no. <laughs> but it's it's just another way to be open, get out of my comfort zone, and yeah. For sure, for sure. So that was those are very two interesting answers. The next question is, what philosophy or mantra of life do you believe in wholeheartedly? 
like you believe in this thing like okay like it's your mantra like i believe in this thing so much or this saying or this quote oh okay um not a quote but i've always believed that doing everything to the best of your ability gives you a greater chance for success hmm that's something that has always that I've always believed because there's so many opportunities that I've got in life by just doing the best I can. Um, and because I know it's there are times when I hear this from men, and when I talk to some you know young people who they might say, you know, what do I need that for? I'm not going to do it. So let's use let's use math as as an example. There's so many people who don't like math in school. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum to pass, right? But as you get older, that's like, you can't escape math, <laughs> right? I'm just using it as a, as a very simplistic example, but it could be work. Yep. Um, it could be a volunteer activity that you need because you're trying to, um, you're just trying to meet a requirement for a professional um, a professional college application. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to volunteer here, but you know, I'm here from five to seven or five to eight. And, you know, I showed up, my supervisor writes me a letter, but I'm, I'm going to move on. No, it's like from five to eight, you've made, um, you've, you've, you've made, uh, you're, you're available. So why waste the opportunity? Who knows? Maybe you could get a better opportunity from just doing your best. Yep. So that's that's something I personally believe in. That's that's a very good answer as well. The next question is who's your favorite athlete of all time and why? Any sports? I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I take inspiration from a lot of people because I, I I respect and the reason why I don't because I, I actually even learn from I've learned from my teammates, I've learned from mm people that I coach, even as, a, as an athlete, I, I, I'm always open-minded. I, I learn from my athletes who I coach now. They, may, mm. they, may, they might not know it, but I learn a lot from them. So I wouldn't say, yeah, there's one, one person. I just try to pick, pick up good habits in, in everyone. That's, that's very interesting. I, I didn't expect that, but I could see why you, you could have that mentality. Because that's the way you are as well, just giving people different nuggets and tidbits so like why not get different tidbits and nuggets from other yeah. people and the last question i have is that what's the best advice you've ever received and what's the worst advice you've ever received oh wow best advice and worst advice i think best advice probably the one that i can remember now is enjoy enjoy busy enjoy enjoy busy <laughs> could you could you i don't really could you explain that more um, I think I was having a conversation with, uh, I forget who it is, but I was talking about how, you know, you see, you know, how you're having conversations with people and you're like, Oh, how things, how are things going? I'm like, you know what? It's, uh, it's pretty busy. Um, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, get through, but it's like, you know, someone told me, you know, enjoy being, you know, enjoy busy, enjoy being busy. Right. Because that means you're actually doing things. Um, so I'll say for me, that's kind of what resonated because when you're not busy, you're idle. And when you're, when you're idle, you're not growing. That's what I took out of that. Um, so that's why I say it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the best advice I've been given. 
and worst advice. Hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a that's a that's an interesting question. <laughs> I can't think of one at the, at the minute because you know you know why? Because I whatever I'm given, mm-hmm. I try to apply it and adapt it. Because there's a there's there's a quote or there's a proverb from where from uh, Ishan where it's kind of my, my family is from yeah. it kind of when, when you translate it it's, it kind of says that one does not get one does not reach reach old age in a day so there's a reason why people give you advice um and you you have to try and be open-minded so i wouldn't say it's uh if it, if it was bad advice i haven't noticed it because if it doesn't if it doesn't um sit with me i i just uh I don't use it, but I try to I at least give it, give it a, at least I'm open-minded to anything that I'm giving. I think that's, that's a way to look at it also, because like to me, I, I believe some people give you advice and say, oh, never go out. You can say, never go out of your comfort zone. Like that's a bad advice. Yes. <laughs> I, that's a bad advice because like, it might not seem like a bad advice because like you're not actually doing anything. But like, if you sit back and look back at your life and looking like how much you never tried anything. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a bad advice. But like, I also understand how you could like view it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, what's the context behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, do in general, it's like yeah. If someone's telling you not to go out of your comfort zone, then they're not asking you to grow. Mm-hmm. And we've come to the end of the episode, Abu. But there's one last thing I'd like to ask you: like, what advice would you give younger people, younger men, in terms of like figuring out life and just going through the motions of life? Because like, life is very dynamic. Like it's ups and downs. Like how yeah. do you balance or like when you're down, how do you stay stay poised and keep your head up and when you're up how do you not stay too high or like get high up get high of your own supply and be too proud and like how do you find that balance like what advice would you give young young men um i think it's find what keeps you find what keeps you grounded you know like i had mentioned to you earlier that for me it's it's my faith mm-hmm. right something as simple as just you know it could be meditation for some people you know for me it's just my faith that's another way to you know meditate you know just saying a prayer right when i'm too high or to stop myself from getting too high um i just think that okay there's someone who has done more Mm. right or there's somebody coming after um who would exceed this right so you know just try not to to be too static and and something i mentioned to you before is like for for me from a personal point of view right do everything to your best uh, uh to the best of your abilities, right? So don't don't take anything for granted. Because that might be your your best opportunity. Those are very good good words and nice advice. Well, we've come to the end. Thank you very much, Abu, for taking time out to talk to me, discuss different things. We talked about a lot of different things. I've really found this episode very interesting, eye opening, and I hope my listeners also enjoy it as well. Yeah, this was fun. Man. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what I expected, but yeah, thanks for. Thanks for thinking about me and uh, bringing me on board. I really enjoy it and I enjoy the work you've been doing. I've uh, been able to catch some of your episodes here and there. You know, it's, it's great that you're shining a light on a lot of, uh, you know, you've had a couple of student athletes, a couple yeah. in the business community, you've done things about sports, just current events, um, things about your, your own personal life and work. So uh, keep up the good, the good work. Um, thank you very much, Abu, for your kind words. 